to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I never get back. Hello and welcome to episode number 12 of the Sports Nuts Podcast. This is the podcast where it's all about knitting 24-7. You come here any day and talk about knitting. Just kidding about that. This is, well, obviously sports. If uh, you didn't think it was something else, well, you need to start working on that noggin a little more since this podcast is called Sports Nuts. I'm your host, Tracy, otherwise known as Holster. And as always, I am joined by Mr. B. Not Mr. Bruce today. He's just Mr. B today. Awesome. Thanks for the introduction. As always, it's it's great to be here, Tracy. Uh, uh, lots of good things going on. Exactly. Uh, sports, I think the whole topic today, we're just going to start talking about the NCAA tournament. No, I'm kidding. Basically, NCAA tournament, uh, you have 64 teams. You get down to the Sweet 16 where they're about now, and it comes down to you've got the big teams in there, and a few big teams got beat. And that's pretty much it every year. So, yeah. So, And by now you hear over and over and over, my bracket's busted. Well, of course it is. No one's really ever gotten it right. So good luck to you all on that. So uh, did you do any uh, brackets this year for it? No, actually, I kind of bowed out. You know, I hadn't really been much of a big college basketball fan, although briefly watching the other day, I saw that uh, uh, the referees or bad refereeing struck uh, the Gonzaga game where uh, the coach had a sharp eye and managed to set a spot uh, goaltending, but uh, the refs hmm, didn't uh, didn't see it, and uh, to the two points made a world of a difference in that game. Yeah, I'm not a huge basketball fan in general. Uh, I did fill a bracket out for Cigar Dojo. People know me. I'm a cigar fan. Uh, and Cigar Dojo is kind of like a Facebook for your phone for cigars. But uh, did one through there, and the winner got like a box or two of cigars. So did that, and I'm pretty much out of it. Um, the reason I think I'm out of it is uh, the first day I was dang near perfect, and I was like, yeah, getting cocky, and then the next next day I was pretty much out. So <laughs> that kind of says it there. Well, and I was probably going to go with the favorite Villanova this year, but right out of the gate they've already been knocked out. So, yeah, same here. <laughs> Exactly. So, but hey, how about we get into our one of our favorite topics here? And for us, it's probably our favorite topic is uh, hockey. And this is a time of year where hockey really, really starts to heat up. It, it, uh, this is when hockey starts getting really good. Uh, this week, uh, we talk about the playoffs. We did have a couple teams that uh, already clinched a spot. For the playoffs, uh, Capitals, and do you remember the other team? They did it last night. Do you remember who? Well, I see Columbus did. That's it. Yeah, there was two that made it, so that was uh, pretty nice. Uh, as we speak now, um, looks like there'll be some good races, but these will kind of thin out a little bit if you look at uh, who's in what place now. And but uh, there'll be some pretty good races if these stay here. The the one I think I would be if everything stays the same in each east and west is uh toronto the capitals and uh i think would be a really good one and chicago blues i think those two would be really good matchups 
And even though I don't really feel sorry for them, the Rangers must be beside themselves because they're in the wild card spot with 93 points, and that's not enough to get them into the top three in their division. Uh, yet Toronto, which is literally behind them, uh, is a whole 12 points behind with 81 points, and they might actually overtake Boston for the third spot. Yeah, and not only that, uh, the wild card gets into the wild card, and they get to face that juggernaut known as the Habs. So, are the Canadians? Uh, some people don't know why they're called the Habs. I'll let you people know. Uh, there's two rivers, Montreal, and the people that started there, they started calling them the Habitats. So, they're just kind of the Montreal area. The people are always called Habitats. Habitats are Habs for short. So, if you look at the Canadians' symbol, it's a C for Canadians. Inside the C, you're going to see an H. That's for, that's why the people call them the Habs or Habitats. So there's your history lesson for the day. Oh, and actually, one of the things about um, sort of a side note of clever logos, I do like baseball's Milwaukee Brewers because their old logo, if you looked at it closely, was actually uh, an M and a B in the shape of a baseball glove. So yeah, that's probably the only good thing I can come up with the Brewers. Yeah, I used to always love watching Robin Yount. Speaking of the Brewers, I loved watching Robin Yount growing up. One of the just came up, seventeen years old, started being a shortstop, and kind of took that shortstop spot till he's in his late thirties. So, yeah. Well, and it must have been something in the water because I believe Paul Molitor also uh, played broke in about the same time that Yount did, and both of those guys seemed to play forever. Yeah, it was kind of uh, this was back when the Brewers were still in the American League. And then when Molitor went to uh, the Twins for a little bit, everybody was like, ooh, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, they finally uh, didn't want to pay Molitor. Getting older, he has a good bat, but everything else is kind of, eh. So Twins decided to pony up a little bit for him. So it was kind of weird. It was kind of like seeing Joe Montana in the Chiefs. It just didn't feel right. You know, Emmett Smith in the Arizona Cardinals. It just didn't seem right. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Hey, but circling back very quickly, uh, so I know that we had talked about Cam Talbot earlier, and you're not quite sold on him as being sort of the go-to guy, but I don't know. He might be emerging. He had a great game this week uh, against Vancouver. Well, take that for what it's worth, but the fact is, is that he faced 40 shots, and the team hardly played in front of him at all, but he did earn his, uh, I think it was his sixth shutout of the year. Yeah, it, it's normally when I say somebody's doing good, you know, they'll have a bad game. And then when I say they're doing bad, they'll have a great game. So um, maybe it was just that. I'm going to stick to that. <laughs> Fair enough. Although I think one of the things that I've also been looking at are some of the teams that are going into the, the playoff time because Calgary right now is playing the hottest hockey out there. They're 10-1 and one in their last 10. They literally are on fire. Yeah, I was looking at the streaks here, and uh, besides them, you got Montreal, uh, which has been eight and two. Uh, Detroit, uh, they just been like going downhill faster and faster and faster. But uh, yeah, Calgary, and no one else has really been lighting it up. Really, uh, Chicago has been playing good, not great, just good, and that's kind of propelling them up. And to be honest, Tampa Bay is playing better than I thought they would lately. Uh, I watched a game of theirs last Thursday or Friday night. It might have been Thursday night, uh, maybe Friday, whatever. But uh, they actually looked solid. Uh, it, it, 
not like you're going to jump up and down like, ooh, but just like a real solid game. Uh, Columbus seems to be turning it around, too. Well, and they've also had that hand coming into uh, the last couple of games. Going back quickly to Tampa Bay, I'm just hoping for them that it's not a little too late, which it might be, because we're, we're talking right now of less than roughly 12 games left to go for each team. And uh, they're, they're five points behind Boston right now for the third spot. And um, I think right now Toronto, the, well, both Toronto and uh Tampa Bay have a game in hand against Boston. So the playoff could be very different in another week or so. Yeah, and looking at what we are talking about last week about the Canadian teams, if the playoffs were to start now, you'd have uh, you'd have the Habs, you'd have Toronto, you'd have the Oilers, you'd have the Flames. So you would have four, you know, four teams in right now, which last year none. I think that's just good for hockey. Oh, yeah. Actually, let's not forget about Ottawa. So we're talking five. Oh, yep, I'm sorry. I looked at them right here. Yep, Ottawa. I don't know why I uh, missed them, but yeah, yep. They. Uh, it could be a all-Canadian, you know, Stanley Cup. Good possibility, that too. You know, from as much as we go with the USA versus Canada in a lot of these matches, I'm actually kind of glad to see uh, Canada back in sort of the playoff hunt because, uh, like you said, there are some things that seem right, and it seems wrong when there are no Canadian teams uh, in the playoff hunt. And last year was certainly a strange year, no doubt about it. Yeah, I like it when they're in because it really ups the TV ratings, and when there's uh, more, the higher the TV ratings, the better hockey is on regular networks throughout the year. Uh, the Sunday afternoon game is nice, you know, the NBC game of the week. The only thing I have against that is it always seems to be, you know, the Rangers, you know, the Bruins, Chicago, or Pittsburgh. That's it. That's all you pretty much ever see, you know. I really wish they'd start having some more West Coast and middle, you know, you know, in the middle of the States games. Well, I think one of the unfortunate parts about it is they usually go to the largest TV markets first, but there's no crime in actually ske scheduling rivalry games. I mean, those are what bring fans to the sport as it is. I think one of the interesting parts about it is that, for folks who may have remembered, Gary Bettman actually started out as the PR person for the NBA under uh, Daniel Stern, or David Stern. And when he moved over to the NHL, I thought, wow, this could only be good stuff for the NHL because he knew how to set up the matchups for television. And with, uh, with hockey, I, I know that there are some rivalries there that they could exploit a little bit more i mean in terms of the interstate rivalries there's nothing more exciting than watching a calgary edmonton series or even a montreal toronto series because those people are just out for blood and those games are quick paced they're aggressive and they're they're probably the most exciting game we'll see on ice yeah, they know how to do the rivalries they, they, because Hockey Night in Canada, if you guys don't know what that is, that's Saturday's Hockey Night in Canada. There's always a doubleheader. There's always a central time, a 6 o'clock game and a 9 o'clock game. Every Saturday is called Hockey Night in Canada. They always have good matches for there generally. But, it, you know, so they're getting the rivalry down, so it really wouldn't be hard for them to schedule another rivalry game on Sunday to do that. So I think scheduling is probably the weakest the NHL has because one of the things that I don't like are the uh, 
the Saturday hockey games where everybody plays. And then what happens is that the schedule uh, is uneven throughout the, uh, throughout the rest of the week. There have been a couple of times this year where the Bruins have played back-to-back games, and then they would go four days without a game, and then they would have uh, sort of, uh, they'd alternate days, but in a span of five days, they'll play three games. So I think at some point, uh, if they can get the scheduling worked out a little bit better, I think that makes it easier on the TV audience too, because spreading it out a little bit more evenly doesn't water things down as much. Yeah, like the NBA right now, they have a problem and the, about them sitting the big players on the big national market games. Well, everybody knows why they're doing it. It's because they're playing these back-to-back games. Well, the coaches can say, hey, I, back-to-back, I'm resting him for the playoffs. I don't want to push him too hard. But they're really doing it because the NBA is kind of messing around with the schedule. And if NHL isn't careful, some of the managers will start doing some healthy scratches to some big names if uh, they're not careful. I don't think the hockey would go down that road, but I could really see it. Uh, I think this year when they had the the forced break for the week, each team got a forced break for the week. I think it was most people hated it. So I don't think they're going to do it again next year. If they do, I'd be surprised. I really think they're going to spread out a little more between because those five days they could put another two games in that week to pull off a couple, you know, back-to-backs from uh, down the road. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. Um, All right, well, I'm not really sure I have too much more to go on that for now. I think uh, we've pretty much exhausted where we want, but uh, if you have some other stuff, I'd like to probably segue into some of the other moves that seem to have gone on for the last week in the NFL. Yeah, sounds good. There's one more thing I want to touch about the hockey is looking at the odds, Las Vegas odds, like Las Vegas or not, they're always almost spot on about who's winning and all this and that. Guess who at the odds are right now, the top team right now to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, See if you can pick no, the team. Having no idea of the odds, I would probably say Montreal probably has the best odds. No, they are one, two, three, four, five, sixth on the list, tied, tied sixth. Uh, the top team, uh, Capitals, are nine and two. Next is Chicago, five to one odds. Then the Wild, six to one. Pittsburgh ten to one and San Jose and Montreal are twelve to one. In the playoffs, the bottom two uh, that are in right now, that you know there, at twenty eight to one odds, Nashville and the Kings. Well, then I would say that the odds makers don't really know hockey that well because <laughs> you and I had mentioned this the other day uh, with with the Capitals entering the playoffs. It's pretty much depending on who they play. I can almost assure you they'll be out by the second round. Yeah. uh, One thing about Las Vegas, they're usually pretty good. Now, playoffs, I don't know about that, but I just thought that was kind of interesting how they have the odds going on right now. Uh, No doubt about it. Uh, The Wild kind of took me by surprise because uh, they, despite the fact that they started off the season as a team in turmoil, they seem to have collected themselves just in time, but I'm not sold on anything they have. Yeah, and your Bruins are uh, second to the last, which is 25 to 1. Well, you know, we talked about the 
uh, impact of a new coach. And I think now that uh, the NHL teams have seen the the Bruins under Cassidy, I think they're also trying to figure them out. And Toronto seems to have certainly solved them, although a costly call last night was questionable. But you know what? You never leave it up to the refs. Exactly. Right before we go into uh, football, I do want to say World Baseball Classic has been uh, – boy, I – I got to apologize to them. I thought it was just something they were doing. There have been some really, really good games. Uh, U.S. is uh, facing Japan, and we got two juggernauts going right there. So, uh, yeah, so that should be a good game tonight. Well, the game that I saw uh, over a week ago, I mentioned uh, watching Japan versus uh, Cuba, and I had to tell you, I mean, I just it just happened to see that it was on. So watching a little bit of it, it was genuinely an exciting game. And I think what really helped the game a lot were the fans. The fans were totally into the game. I think the problem here is that our games have been uh, watered down. Actually, I'm not going to say watered down. You have so many things going on at the ballpark these days that I don't think people actually pay attention to what's on the field. And there's still something... Something um, pure about the world games right now. Yeah, uh, Puerto Rico is in. They're the favorite for the championship game Wednesday, and they will play the winner, U.S. or Japan. So that should be a good game. I'm, I'm hoping uh, not necessarily just because the U.S. Oh, I'm going to with the U.S. I think it would be a better game if the U.S. plays Puerto Rico, uh, but... Never know, but uh, yeah, but I'm I'm sold on baseball classic. I'll wait for again in uh, what three four years when they have it again. Uh, I think it'll be fun. One last note about that is we talk about fundamentals of baseball and watching these teams. They have it. I mean, I watched uh, a fly ball out into center field. A guy's tagging up. Uh, you had a guy on third and a guy on first, and. You know, they hit the cutoff man, and the cutoff man easily threw the player out at home plate. And, you know, to see that kind of baseball played the way it is, it, it just, it was, I can't say, I can't say anything enough about the sport. I was that impressed with the World Classic. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise to me was, out of all the teams, was Israel making it all the way up to play Japan all the way up to play Japan to play for the championship, you know, for their conference, uh, for uh, their, their two rounds. Uh, uh, and no one gave Israel a chance, and uh, they boy, did they step up. I think they were the surprise team of the World Baseball Classic this year. Well, you know, if you told me, yeah, the Dominican Republic is playing, you have, um, you know, Mexico playing, actually you don't which is a story in and of itself, which I'll dig out of for another time. And, you know, Japan, teams like that, you know, that certainly was a no-brainer. But when you bring up teams like Israel, it's like I wasn't even aware that they, they could field a team. Exactly. Uh, and, it, yeah, them, I think, were kind of surprised. Um, Cuba really was a no-show. Even the games they showed up and they didn't look that good was, was surprising to me. Now, albeit as soon as you become good, you defect to the U.S. and become a U.S. citizen, you know, but uh, usually Cuba shows up and is in the championship game most of the time we're getting close to it, so they were kind of a shock. Uh, Netherlands, did okay, but to me, Israel was a big surprise team, and uh, the U.S. is playing better than I thought they would. Those are my two kind of takeoffs for this. Nice. And even though I, 
Well, no, I will accuse them. I've seen some of the Cuba's players. You can't tell me they're juicing some on something because holy smoke, they're 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 more muscular than some of the Clydesdale horses I've seen. Yeah, the, well, that's pretty much all they do. They don't. They just uh, work out and play baseball. Work out and play baseball. So, and I'll leave you with this fun fact. Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks may already be aware of this. So, if uh, the what is it? 1957 Washington Senators, if they had just simply picked up the prospect of Fidel Castro, we would never have had to worry about Cuba. Yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> All right, how about we get in some NFL talk now? Oh, uh, let's fire away at this. Um, you made the call with uh, Latavius Murray and the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, just I thought that was the best fit for both. For 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 both parties, for him and for the Vikings, I thought it was it. Uh, coming out with Adrian Peterson, um, I think we talked about it a little bit last week about some of the stuff he said. His father said that only could be said by Adrian Peterson about the offensive line. So uh, there was some bad blood there a little bit. So I think they offered him a contract, but I don't think they offered him a big one and i think adrian peterson's out there realizing now no one's offering me a big contract i'll be lucky to get a contract so i think what he's going to be getting is something in the neighborhood of one million maybe two million maybe with a lot of incentives every game you play is this amount every hundred yards you get is this amount every hundred yard game you get is this added on so i think that's what is kind of for him right now is that's what I think he'll get or he'll just stick out and stay back until cause somebody always gets hurt, uh, spring training running back always. So he could sit back and collect a little bigger check if he doesn't want the security of signing early. Well, I think one of the things that really surprised me was Oakland's approach to Latavius Murray. That had to wait for some background to die here. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised by the fact that Oakland was so casual in handling Latavius Murray, and it emerged that they were interested in Marshawn Lynch, of all people, and trying to coax him out of retirement because I didn't realize he had a sporting goods store in Oakland. And so this is essentially his hometown. I was very surprised to see that's an option. Yeah, that uh, kind of caught me off guard. Did you see Oakland's punter, what he did yesterday? No, what happened? He uh, caught it on the news. He, uh, when Marshawn Lynch retired, he took his cleats and threw him over the power line. Well, he got the punter got the ladder and cut Marshawn Lynch's shoes down off the power court. Dangerous in itself, and cut him down to say, "Hey, we want you here. You're not retired." <laughs> oh, very good. Good. <laughs> I know that uh, King had also been tweeting out uh, different kinds of tweets uh, for Marshawn, basically saying that, hey, you're going to be a rookie on this team. You're going to carry my pads. Exactly. Um, other notable signings uh, today, actually, Keenan Robinson signed with the Giants. So uh, he signed with the Giants. Uh, Monte Teo signed with the Saints today. Uh, any other notable today? Uh, no real big, big ones that I can see. Uh, yesterday, Josh McDowell signed with the Jets. So, you know, you're still Jay Cutler sitting out there. He might be in the same position as Adrian Peterson, wait for an injury if he wants to, or take less of a salary now. 
Well, and I feel sorry for the uh, Jets in a small, small way because, oh, geez, McCown is not it for them either. And I think that they will struggle mightily this year because um, not only is this an awful draft year, but unless there's something in the way in the way of making a play for Romo, and I really doubt that at this point, especially from the way Dallas's stance is, they're going to hold on to him, and if a team wants him, they're going to have to give up a first-round pick, and I don't think people are willing to do that. Yeah, it boy, uh, and with the Jets, uh, Geno Smith did sign with the Giants, so he's going over across town too. So it's it, it it's just going to be a heartache to misery if all these Jets players go to the Giants and have big years. It's going to be like, don't, you know, one of the Homer Simpsons things there. Well, luckily, Geno Smith is such a train wreck right now. Uh, he can't have very much in terms of confidence. And I got to tell you, it was a really telling thing two years ago when uh, there was some trash talking going on. And the linebackers, you may remember, I forget his name at this point, but basically uh, punched Smith in the face, and nobody came to his defense. And that's that's really troubling, especially in a locker room like that. If your quarterback is not gathering the troops, then you really are doing something wrong. Yeah, and that's what lost him the starting job right there. Uh, yes, and uh, interestingly enough, because in all, you figure everybody involved during that whole round uh, are pretty much out of the NFL, too, because Rex Ryan is no... I think at this point, he's virtually unemployable. He will be an entertaining color person on TV, but he will never coach in the NFL again. No. Do you know, I think somebody is going to give him a chance at a GM job, though, I think. I really, really do. Uh, Somebody's going to you know, give him a GM job and will he fail? Eh, we'll have to see, but you are right. It's, it's going to be something special for him to get another coaching job. And I think even more troubling too, was Rob Ryan, uh, his brother took over the defense and this was probably his last gasp too, because don't forget, we've had four consecutive years of failure with him for three different teams. It all started downhill with the Saints. Then he moved over to Dallas. Uh, Dallas gave up the most points they ever did under him. And then he transitioned over to uh, the Bills. And, oh, this was not the team they thought it was. And I think uh, Rob did more damage to himself and his brother than anybody else. Yeah, I I really never saw what people saw in Rob because I didn't. I think he's truly the epitome of living off your uh, dad's name. Oh, without a doubt. And I mean, let's face it, he also had the luxury of being on the opposite side of some pretty powerful offenses because you know in the New Orleans you had uh, Drew Brees and his arsenal, and in Dallas you had uh, Romo and his arsenal. So. Uh, I think when he finally went over to Buffalo, it only underscored the poor job he did. Exactly. Um, other free agent, notable free agent signings that I see McFadden did resign with the Cowboys. That was, you know, uh, thought, thought they would cook signed, uh, with the Raiders. That, uh, was pretty good for the Raiders. I really think that's going to help them out. And of course, uh, Hightower, Dante Hightower did resign with the Patriots. Everybody kind of saw that coming. I don't, I think a surprise to Hightower was he didn't get the big contract he thought he was going to get from anybody else. No, and I think we may have mentioned this before too. When, um, he interviewed with Pittsburgh, 
I, I don't know if uh, there was some signs of this not going well or what happened, but essentially they told him, listen, if you board this plane without signing, don't come back. Yeah. Uh, do you think they really would have did that? No, not at all. <laughs> I think that if he decided <laughs> down the road, yeah, you know, I think I'll sign with you, they totally would have taken him. Because if there was a defense that got beaten badly in the playoffs, it was Pittsburgh's. Yeah, that exactly. Uh, now, speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, LeVon Bell, he still has not signed his, you know, when when they uh, put him on, uh, oh, but mine's drawn a blank right now. Oh, they tagged him in the franchise tag, and he hasn't signed yet. There we go. Yeah, yeah, that's a good franchise tag. I couldn't think of it. For some reason, it just slipped my mind. Yeah, he hasn't signed it. That's the only really thing he has. And um, people are saying he is not signing it so he doesn't have to do any of the offseason workouts. And then he'll sign it right at the start of preseason, and he'll come in, and everybody will be happy. So I think that's what's going on. Wow, that's a bold move. We'll see if that pans out for him. Yeah, well, Pittsburgh kind of has their theory about, and they stick to it. During the season, we don't renegotiate, and we renegotiate here, here, and here. But when they do, they do, and they pay their players. So they stick firm where, you know, if if they do break everything they say and going to sign him to a contract, uh, that's kind of breaking the Pittsburgh code, what they've been doing the last few years. And so, uh, I don't see them signing him. I see them signing him, uh, after the year's over. Well, that'll actually be an interesting move. And Pittsburgh, you know, for all, all of the things that, uh, being a Raiders fan and hating Pittsburgh, you still have to admire the fact that they have a, they have an outstanding organization and a long track record of winning. So they're clearly doing things the right way. Out of all the free agents so far, what do you think the biggest signing for the team, not the biggest name signing, what do you think the biggest help to the team signing was? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. That's that's a huge, huge question um, because it seems to me that most of the offseason signings have been to fill a very, very real need in each position. Um I will give give me a few seconds to think that over, but uh, while I'm doing that, why don't you list me yours? Yeah, I think just following here and there, it's no big signings, but I think to help the team the most, and that's what I'm going at here, not the biggest name, not the biggest signing, not going to get the biggest player, what is going to help the team the most. Um, go back to the Vikings, just their offensive line trouble, two brand new tackles, which is huge. Uh, usually you, you bring in one tackle and maybe another lineman, maybe bringing two fresh tackles says something about what you're trying to do to the team. Will it turn out? Eh, you don't know. So I think that's up there too. And I think another big move is that just right next to that one, the Patriots trading, uh, to get, uh, you know, another top receiver from new Orleans, boy, not Tom. Did Tom Brady really need another weapon? Dang. Well, I actually, I agree with you. I think because they addressed a lot of needs this year. This is that their defense really got bolstered big time, especially when they signed Gilmore from Buffalo. He he'd actually Malcolm Butler expendable, and now there's talk about sending 
getting Butler out of town uh, to New Orleans for their 11th pick. And that could be huge. And whether New Orleans or not bites on it, let's put it this way. New England really knows what they're doing. I would probably also keep an eye on uh, Atlanta because one of the interesting things that happened uh, in the offseason, actually last week, is uh, the, the defensive tackle, Poe, took a pay cut to play for Atlanta. So I, in one way, it's good to see that there are some players who want to win and sign with a winning team and will do what they need to. There are some other players like, well, Daryl Revis, who after he got his Super Bowl, clearly went to cash in on his career. And boy, the Jets were dumb enough to sign that guy. Yeah. Um, one more notable signing, I think just as a team aspect, uh, the Eagles signing Nick Foles. And you're like, well, Nick Foles, what's the big... Um, having a very young quarterback, the Eagles do. Nick Foles even said about wanting maybe going to coaching. Nick Foles know he's going in there as a second. He's not a starter. And he's going in there to help teach a young quarterback. So I really think that was a good signing for the Eagles, getting an experienced guy in there that can help him if needed, but getting somebody that can groom him even more to show him, hey, you want to do this and this, don't do this. I know that. I did it the wrong way and stuff like that. So I think that was a pretty good move, signing somebody that can actually teach pretty good uh, Foles the Eagles there. And not to mention, you know, he's a fan favorite, too, so he's returning to the fold, and I think that'll be exciting for Eagles fans. They might actually have something to look forward to this year. Yeah, I think that I like what the Eagles are doing. Um, nothing flashy, just straightforward. Here's our plan. Here's what we're going to do. And them having uh, two first-round picks this year is going to do nothing but help them. And also, we were talking about smart, savvy teams. Uh, they are also very good with the wallet. Very, very rarely do they actually approach the cap. They always seem to have plenty of space to spend money as they need to. Uh, they don't crazy playing. I'm, I'm sorry, paying for gigantic salaries for big players. It's it's not what they do. And uh, these these are good, solid signings. So uh, something to look forward to this year. Exactly. So it was. Um, realistically, nothing too surprising for the signings. Um, you talked about one, the jet signing, you know, I, I think maybe, eh, uh, the Seahawks, I think paid quite a bit for Lacey. I think they could have got, you know, uh, you know, and you're so worried about his weight and it's in his contract, basically each weigh in he gets in in the next like six months it's like fifty thousand dollar bonus if he makes these ways in as he goes in uh will he make them don't know but uh it, it it's that was a lot of guaranteed money for somebody that might not even come in and in shape yeah and i suppose if anybody can be a motivator ah, Pete carroll's your man um that's that'll be a big big if for them i don't have any confidence in eddie lacy this past year with Green Bay, he had shown some flashes of being able to return back and play the game he did. But let's face it, the emergence of a couple of other young players for them made him totally. Yep. The uh, Cowboys did resign more quarterback. Uh, he kind of came on a spurts a little bit uh, the year before last. Uh, so it gives him at least something for a backup. So other than that, it's kind of. Free agency is still kind of chugging along. You got, I think, Adrian Peterson and Jay Cutler, the big names sitting out there. 
Yep, and um, well, after that, we've the draft is not too far away at this point. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, draft day, do you have a draft party, or you just kind of watch it or just pay attention? You know what? I actually thought about last year when uh, they held it in New York, uh, going down to New York City and just seeing whether or not I could actually show up for such a thing because uh, uh, it seemed like an exciting event to be at, but uh, I don't know. We'll play it by ear. Yeah, me and a friend, we always get together Thursday and Friday night and watch it and just have a good time. I got the hockey game on in the background. Uh, sorry about that. I have uh, the Pittsburgh and the Sabres game, and Crosby, Sid the Kid, did it. He just waves right through all of the Sabres to score a goal. <laughs> Prime Sydney. Uh, try to find the previews to that later. It was pretty good. You know, as much as... Uh... It's amazing. He's still doing a lot of the things that he still has uh, all of that gas in the tank. I think uh, it'll be amazing uh, to see as his career winds down. But he's I I still think that he's still uh, in the prime of his career right now. Exactly. So since we're talking about hot hockey players, putting you on the spot right now. uh, Everybody's a free agent in the NHL. You get first pick first round. Connor McDavid. That's who I was because the age and everything like that. Uh, I think the next, if it was for me, I might go Jamie Benn, not because he's a stars person, uh, just because he is, besides being a good scorer, uh, I think he's overall plays a little better defense than you see Sid the Kid play. And some although Sid the Kid's working on defense pretty good. And he's a true leader where he will get in a scrum when and if needed. So I think he would be the second one at big, but you're right. Connor McDavid, I think, is first. Well, I think what really impressed me, and I mentioned it last week, was gating skills uh, because he, he definitely had that extra step. And he's such an explosive guy. And the best part about it is his field of vision is incredible because once he crosses the line, he's looking for other options. It's not I'm scoring first. I'm looking to see what the best play there is to make. And he's not afraid to be in front of the net. He's he's a little undersized to be in front of the net right now. But I'll tell you, in two more years, he will be such a force because one of the things that separates him versus Wayne Gretzky, and let's Let's make no mistake about it. Wayne Gretzky is Wayne Gretzky. He will still be the greatest as far as I'm concerned. But McDavid has all the tools to be even potentially better than Gretzky. Exactly. Okay. Expanding on this, it goes all the way through. Would you pick uh, another top offensive player for your next pick, or would you pick a top defense or goalie for your second pick? Me, I'm all in on offense. I would pick Austin Matthews next. Okay. So uh, you'd pretty much go two offensive players. I think I would go offense and a goalie and then back to offense and then start filling in the best player available. So I I would like just a stud goalie early on too. And I got to tell you that the goalie position is one of those things where over the years I've been able to pick the best goalie in fantasy uh, hockey for quite a few years now. Um, and it's funny, fantasy is one thing, but if it were a real, real pick, I'd have a really hard time evaluating them in real life because I'll tell you, there's so many things to their game and, uh, you know, 
Carey Price right now, I think, is is as good as a goalie gets as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I've seen nights where he is completely lights out. And I think had his defense been a little bit stronger, he would be, I would say that he would be right up there with all the legends now. Um, but he's still young. He's 28, and he still has several more years left to go. So we may still not have seen the best of him yet. Yeah, talk about fantasy hockey. Now that, I take goalies late because generally you can get a couple good goalies in fantasy hockey really late. And usually in the first two weeks, you could see a stud goalie that was undrafted and pick him up. And in fantasy, I do go for two offensive studs, first of all. But I think a real hockey team might be a little different. Yeah, and it's funny because in fantasy too, the other aspect you have is um, there are – there are goalies that emerge after the all-star break. And I mean, uh, I remember a couple of years back, Craig Hammond for the senators. Uh, I knew as soon as he started playing uh, his first two games and uh, his first game actually was against Montreal and he shut them out. I thought, well, that's, let's see if it's fluke three games later. It's like, nope, he's the real deal for the rest of the year. And he carried them right into the playoffs. So um, what's happened? Him since uh, only he knows. Yeah, usually I, I get one good goalie in my second goalie spot. I'm always picking up, drop, picking up, and drop. I might go through five, six goalies for the year. But as far as your defenseman, who who would be your first pick? Oh boy, uh, this boy. That is hard because I think I think if I was doing a draft. I think by the time I went around and there was, even if I had the first pick and I picked uh, Connor McDavid and it got back to me with uh, 30 picks later, I think the top three to six defensive players would be taken. So I don't know who would be available, but so the, but just saying the top defensive player, mm, I got to think about that one. How about you? I saw him play break into the league with the Minnesota Wild, and I thought – in his last year with the Wild, the Bruins should have made a giant play for him. I think enough to – they should have given up Krejci for Brent Burns. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's – I'm thinking the – one defensive player, now he, he'd he be down on the list that I like watching to play, and this, this isn't like top player. Uh, one I like watching to play is another former Minnesota person, but uh, Claire Buck. I love watching him play his intensity, kind of like Fiddler on the offensive side, just real intense everything he does. Oh, and it's funny you bring him up because one of the things that I liked was, uh, I forgot who his line mate was at the time, but there was a a period of um, a year and a half where he just clicked and was just scoring goals in massive amounts. And uh, uh, once he moved over to uh, uh, the Islanders, it just never quite clicked for him there. Yeah, kind of like Todd Harvey years and years and years ago when he left Dallas. He was going to be a big New York player and just really did nothing. Okay, I thought about it a little bit. Um, If if I'm going to have to pick, um, I'm thinking maybe, boy, Lindholm from the Ducks. I don't think you can really go go wrong. Uh, Burns, maybe, from the Sharks. Maybe. And, you know, to tell you the truth, the reason why I think that for me, for Burns, was just strictly from an offensive standpoint, the guy can uh, pinpoint his shots. He's got laser accuracy. But there is something to be said for a stay-at-home defenseman. 
and it's been quite some time since I've seen one on Boston, but uh, there used to be a, a player named John Blum who was not going to score goals, was not going to get assists. But I'll tell you, his on-ice time was impressive because the fact of the matter is is he laid down the law. He was a stone wall there. And, you know, the opponents very rarely got a good shot off on net with him back there. And being paired with Ray Bork only made it that much more solid. Um, I, I don't know if I've seen a defenseman like that because – you know, the NHL is about production. And if you only, you know, if you only do one thing in the NHL, you kind of won't last very long there. Yeah. And if you want to talk about production, I think one of the most valuable defensive players you could have would be Dustin Bufflin from the Jets. You got a defensive player that you can stick in on the left wing anytime you want. He can be, he can be a forward or defenseman. You can flop him back and forth as needed. That's Not to valuable. mention his toughness. That goes without saying. Yeah. Um, another one I think honorable mention for me would probably be uh, Carlson and the Senators. I, I think he's always overlooked because he plays for you know Ottawa, um, but he seems to show up when you need him. I don't think he does this flashy stuff you see, but when you need oh, him, he's, he's there. so crucial to Ottawa's success, and if he's not there, it hurts them a lot. Yeah, and don't forget Ageless Wonder uh, Dowdy from the Kings. <laughs> you know, he'll kind of play till he's 90. You know, and it's funny because the Kings have always had a, a fine tradition of defensemen who seem to have stayed a long, a long time, well after even some make say their best playing days. But even Rob Blake played for years on, on that blue line. Yep. Um, what do you think of Keith from the Blackhawks, Duncan Keith? You know, I, it's, it's funny. I... I like the Blackhawks. I like the Blackhawks organization a lot. I like the teams that they put on the, the ice because they're solid blue-collar guys who get the job done. It may not be some of the prettiest hockey that you see sometimes, um, but, you know, of course, you, you we're talking about a team that has Kane on them. But uh, um, I, I like Duncan Keith. He's a solid guy, but um, I, I'm not sure why I – don't I'm not more enamored of him, but uh, he's a good choice. Yeah, for me, I think if he stays healthy for one more year, because he seems to get nicked up pretty easy. If he'd be healthy for another year, uh, I might raise him way up to the top. And I'm going to mention one more name. I can't believe I haven't said anything about uh, Vlasic from the Sharks. Um, I haven't even mentioned him. Uh, I. Uh, you talk about who I would take, he would be definitely up there in one of my top defensive takes first. That's actually a good call. Um, I don't see as much of the Sharks hockey as I'd like to, but um, his name does come up, no doubt about it. Yeah, matter of fact, I'm looking at the things here from a week ago. Uh, he has eight goals, 31 assists, so 39 points in 67 games. That's pretty darn good for somebody that's known to step back and play hard D2 and uh, quote-unquote semi-enforcer role also. Actually, you know, I think we should save that for next week too. Some of our favorite fighters of the, uh, of the past or even present if you want to. Okay, and I won't even bring in my relative, uh, Cliff Perper, who's in the Hall of Fame. He's off the list for me because for me, he's the top of the list because a relative, but... So besides being, uh, how about this? We'll say the best enforcers in the last 20 years. How's oh, that, that will be a fun show. 
So there you guys have it. The next show. Anything before we kill out of here? No, I think we've covered a lot of ground tonight. Perfect. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. And don't forget to go to podnuts.com slash Amazon if you need to get anything. Get a little money back to the door there so, uh, uh, you know, he can go to all these conferences you wanted to and putting all these shows up and everything so people like uh, me and Bruce can just talk and say, here, door, take the file. You do it. We're done. So he can do all that stuff behind the scenes for that. Do that. Help him out a little bit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, just email Tracy at podnuts.com. And anything to Bruce, send it over to me, and I'll forward it off to Bruce right away. Other than that, I appreciate everybody listening to the show and taking the time out of your busy schedule, downloading and listening. Thanks, everybody. Everybody have a good day and a good week. 